Hello, everybody, and welcome to the first ever episode of High Character. My name is Cameron, coming from uh, the big snowstorm in Quincy, Mass. right now, and with me is my co-host, Evan. Evan, how you doing? Not too bad. I'm looking out the window right now, seeing a lot of snowflakes falling um, out of Medford, Mass. So, yeah. Yeah, winter storm Bobby, I think they're calling it, and uh, pretty fitting for Bobby's play last night but we'll uh we'll get into all that um so yeah this is our first ever episode of high character uh a umass hockey podcast so we're looking to do game recaps uh interviews with people in and around the program uh stadium reviews and then anything else that we can think of or or you guys can come up with for us we really just want to bring umass content to the airwaves I'd like to think that there could be a better game that we could start this off with. I mean, last night, I mean, we kind of had a full sleep to kind of get over it, but last night was kind of a gut punch. You know, I'm not going to lie. Kind of stunk having probably one of the top three goals, I'd say, that was scored in the Mullen Center this season um, be completely negated in a span of, what was it, nine seconds, I think. Um, Yeah. Yeah, we're not really starting off on the best – the best of terms we're going to try to keep a high spirits but yeah obviously uh last night and then game a couple of days before that have been some gut punches definitely the toughest part of the season that we've had to go through so far um i just guess we should be happy we get the opportunity to overcome it in lowell tomorrow so first play game it'd be good to get a to get a win out there we're kind of in a two-game slide right now it's really unfortunate that it had to kind of happen during a week where we have three games. Like that's really going to mess with us in the rankings. If we don't pull out something tomorrow, I feel like um, considering I'm pretty sure, and you might have to fact check me on this real quick, but I don't think we had a regulation loss in hockey East up until Tuesday. Yeah. So, Tuesday was the first one. Yeah. I think following it up with two regulation losses in a row is a little scary. And especially considering that, us playing in the Zonga Center usually, at least historically in the past couple of years, hasn't been a great look for us. It's right. definitely a little scary to see the potential of three regulation losses in a row, but I'm definitely optimistic. I think Lowell is a good team, but I think we can definitely look ahead. And we, if there, there was a lot of good takeaways that we could get from that Providence game. And if anybody is able to make those adjustments and lead us forward, it's obviously going to be Carvel. So... I'm feeling good still, but it is a little bit precarious at the moment, I think, at least this week. Very true. And we can definitely uh, discuss the implications of this week so far a little later. How about we uh, jump into the game recap? In the first, I thought the whole period was pretty even. There were a couple couple ticky-tacky calls both the way, but uh, overall I thought both teams played pretty good defense. It was pretty even. Nothing really, Nothing really jumped out to me. There was no scoring, obviously. Yeah, I mean, I'm looking back at the box score right now. I mean, there was four penalties in the period. That's, yeah. I mean, and that just kind of shows you, too, like, that's how kind of defensive it was. You know, like, it was it was pretty, I, I don't know if I would say fast-paced, but there was, it was definitely a gritty period. Like, everybody was just trying to get as much space as possible to work in. And, like, in those kind of tough, like, corner areas that kind of seemed where the puck was a lot of the time was just, dump and chase, dump and chase. I mean, that's usually how games against Providence would go. Like, I mean, granted, we'll probably get into the score predictions that we had for the game a little later, but 
I kind of thought it was going to be a shootout, like just, you know, really high scoring game, you know, kind of similar to the BU game, but historically Providence games don't really go like that. And the first, and obviously when we get to the second period cap, like you'll see things don't usually go that way against Providence. It's usually a pretty low scoring tight knit game. So yeah. Right. And I think you mentioned, we, uh, we were at the game last night. I think you mentioned uh, in the first intermission, it definitely seemed like a theme of, of the, the period and then ended up being the night overall was for both teams, uh, two or three really good passes. And then one that would have created a great offensive chance, just not connecting. Uh, I feel like we noticed that for both teams, just that final pass just wasn't getting there, which led to very low scoring for the, for the first part of the game. Yeah, so I guess we want to move on. Do we want to move on to the second period now? Okay. Yeah, so we can move on to the second. So uh, looking back on this period, I thought it definitely leaned Providence. I think they came out tougher. Uh, we started on a on a power play to start the period, and it, in my opinion, was maybe the most flat we've looked on a power play all year. Yeah, I, I think I would agree with you there. Um, I mean, even just kind of separate from the power play, like. Another thing that I noticed that period was we were really just trying to chuck, I didn't want to say chuck a puck, but like kind of like we're literally just throwing <laughs> the puck on net at any given opportunity. Like I remember, I think it was a couple of years ago, we went to a Providence game that I think ended 2-1. And mm-hmm. I think the goal that we ended up scoring was just a little floater from the point through, I think, legitimately six or seven bodies that just kind of sailed in. And that's kind of how you tend to score goals on Providence. Like they're right. a very tight defensive team where, and they, they've historically had very solid goaltending to where you can't really just have a clean shot and just beat them cleanly. It's you, it usually has to go through a couple of bodies and you really have to try and screen the goalie. And that was how a lot of the offense was generated tonight. Right. We like to call them greasy goals. Yeah. Gotta, that's what you got to go for. I think Chuck a puck works for you. Shout out to the guy whoever landed it on the dot last night that was pretty impressive but uh yeah I think I noticed I noticed through the first two periods that UMass just had a lot of trouble getting pucks deep and getting quality chances um a lot of dump and chase happening and uh the PC defense was pretty on top of it up until the third I would say um some other things I noted we we talked about it in person I wasn't sure if there was something up with the ice but Providence players were going down really easy and the refs seemed to be going along with that a bit. Uh, there was a, a hook and then a trip uh, in pretty quick succession that we saw it live and uh, thought they were pretty soft calls. I didn't, the refs definitely were a bit questionable last night. Yeah. I mean, just looking at the box score, I think it was what two to two penalties for Providence and I think four for UMass. Like, yep. I mean, obviously, you can't always you, know, you can't always have a game go 50-50 with penalties. Like, there will be a team that might be a bit more undisciplined, but I I don't think that was the case last night. Like, right. There was a lot of soft calls. Um, it's 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 kind of tough to see because again, Providence did look pretty good last night. Like, they are they're a legit team. Mm-hmm. You can't you can't deny that. But right. Some of the calls are a little soft, and there were pretty similar calls that could have been made for Providence that they kind of put the whistles away for. Like, you know, we're obviously going to touch upon this, I think in the third period, but there were no penalties called in that period. 
and they right. just decided to completely put the whistles away and all three goals in the game were scored in that period. It, it kind of makes you think a little bit. Right. Right. And I don't want you guys to think that we're going to be uh, really UMass Homer centric on this pod. Obviously we're UMass fans, but like we will try not to blame the referees if we can. I mean, sometimes it'll be egregious, but we like, we don't want to lean on that as a crutch for excuses in games. Like obviously UMass could have been a little more disciplined last night. Um, yeah, yeah, hate to see a bunch of penalties in one period, but yeah, we just just so you guys know. So yeah, and then uh, I guess the last thing we could touch on from the second period is uh, UMass got pretty lucky. There were a couple of solid post ringers behind Murray. Yeah. Um, there, I want to say it was two or three that were just cleanly. I think they were honestly off the same post. I think it was the right – from where we were sitting, it would be the left-hand side. So it would have been on yep. Murray's right-hand side. I think two or three very clean pings right off. And, again, it came from chances that, you know, similar to kind of how we talk about Providence where you have to screen their goalie a lot. You know, Murray is in that exact same category where he's not usually going to get beat too cleanly. And there was a lot of bodies in front of him on those two chances where you would just have a very clean post shot. And, you know, you could tell he was kind of thanking the post after those two once the puck got cleared out. Right. Right. And yeah, and speaking of post ringers, I guess we could start with the third. The third started with a uh, Bobby Trevino shot that hit off the crossbar and straight down into the crease. They ended up, uh, refs ended up reviewing it, um, ended up being no goal, but, uh, pretty frustrated honestly in person they weren't showing it at Mullins they didn't really get a good look at the chance still but yeah that that does tend to be a common theme at least I don't know if it's like a case of like camera work at Mullins or whoever's running like the big screens or whatever but they they really like just just for the sake of clarity and like just being transparent like give us give us a look you know what I mean like show show us what they're seeing I don't know if that's like a hockey east rule or something but it's really frustrating when you think you have a good angle like when you see it live and like I'm one of these types of people where it's like if the call's right I'm not going to complain about it you know what I mean like I just want to take a look you know I'm never one to say like the refs are always wrong you know it probably wasn't a goal they probably got it 100% right I just want to take a look for myself and sometimes when they don't do that it'll get on my nerves a little bit like they have to have the angle like how does the how do the refs have the only angle that's viewable but yet they can't put it up on the big screen a little little crazy to me I don't know maybe somebody can chime in later in the comments and let us know if they have any sort of insider information about that right it was the same deal for Tuesday against BU with that uh that no goal heard around the world I guess you could say uh got a lot of traction on Twitter ended up not actually being goal, but it would have been nice to see it. Um, yeah, so, and then immediately after Bobby hitting the post there, um, Providence gets their chance, and Riley Duran ends up burying that rebound off the end boards past Murray. Uh, don't have too much to say about that. Uh, I thought Kessel looked a little confused on that. He definitely hung his head. Just great, great puck luck for Providence on that one. Yeah, I, I would definitely agree with you there. I mean, if you, if you have Murray coming out of, you know, cutting off the angle as he does, usually, at least, I'm not a hockey coach, but, like, you would usually have your defenseman kind of set up there and deflect any sort of rebounds if that exact scenario happens. And Kessel kind of just wasn't there. I mean, these things happen. You know, obviously, you can't be there all the time. But, you know, if you're UMass, and, I mean, we're trying to win a national championship here, you kind of have to expect a little better. 
But again, it could have been a completely different defensive scheme by Carvel that we just have no idea about. Maybe he was in the right. Who knows? But right. it definitely, from the casual viewers such as ourselves, it looked a little suspicious. So, right, yeah, and then uh, it uh, after that goal, it started to get really frustrating in the crowd. That goal was obviously a gut punch in a zero-zero game in the third. Uh, UMass had a lot of chances after that. Ended up being very frustrating that they weren't able to get quality shots on net. Uh, probably the most groans I've heard from the Mullen Center this season as a as a collective whole. Yeah, certainly. But I guess on the bright side, I guess the, the next point we can talk about is probably one of the louder moments I've heard in the Mullen Center. Yeah. It definitely, especially considering how frustrating that game was in – I want to say a couple minutes before that goal ended up being scored, we had a solid two and a half, three minutes of zone time where yeah. we, I think we had seven shots on the goalie and three of them were essentially cross creasers that could have been tapped in that he somehow would just get the pad save over. Like it was unbelievable seeing it. And you could tell like there was just kind of this air in the building where the moment that puck goes in the net, this place is going to blow its top off. Like there was no way that there wasn't going to be just an absolute roar because we were just so pent up and frustrated. Like got to go in, got to go in. We got to get a puck in there. And it finally happened off of probably one of the most insane backhand flicks that could go far post that could have ever happened. Like, I don't know if you want to explain that a little better, Cam. Yeah, that was Bobby's 12th of the season. Um, obviously, Mullins, Mullins gets pretty crazy anytime he does anything. So for him to, to break the tie with four minutes left was huge at the moment. Uh, great pass from Scott Morrow. I mean, he was doing that all night, um, mm-hmm. tape to tape. Just I noticed that a lot from him. And yeah, just Bobby being Bobby, man, like, guy's insane. Like, I don't know, I don't know what, what much more to say on that. But yeah, it was... Ended up being very short-lived because nine seconds later, Riley Durand buried the go-ahead goal, which ended up being the game-winning goal to, uh, last night. And I know we were very frustrated. UMass Twitter as a collective was very frustrated um, in Slava Demin on the effort there. I, we're going to get into that a little bit more later. But, yeah, that was just – took the air out of the arena. It was definitely a gut punch. I think, I think Carvel said it pretty well in his post-game press conference. I mean, I'm obviously going to paraphrase here, but it was basically you have to be more disciplined, especially when the guys work so hard to kind of get that tying goal because everybody knew it was coming. Like, mm. once we started playing with that kind of energy and speed that we know we have, and that's probably one of the more frustrating things is, like, sometimes, you know, you'll see guys, you know, like, we'll play dump and chase, and the speed is just not there. Like we kind of just get beaten to the corners, but then every now and then we'll just get this unbelievable zone entry with a lot of speed from a guy like, you know, Scott Moore, or this is a really good one. Josh Lapina. I don't know if it was Mm. in the second or third period, but he was just taking that puck to the neutral zone. And that man was gliding. Like it was Kale-esque, like very close man was just gliding through. I think he kind of lost the puck going into the corner, but he just had so much speed on the defenseman that was going into the corner. And, like, just knowing that that's possible is the most frustrating thing possible. Like, we have that sort of speed and ability to kind of make those plays, but it only comes up in short bursts. But, like, you look back to the game at Northeastern, you know, the 6 nothing. Like, 
if we we can just do that every game in theory you know like if right. we're able to just kind of have that sort of speed and intensity it's we're like we're under we're unbeatable there's there's no way around that and we just need to stay disciplined and play smart and play the way we know that we can like and that's kind of what happened with Slava there I mean looking back at the goal I I watched it again this morning and this is something that I've kind of noticed from him a lot like he kind of just seems like he'll glide into the corner with with the with the with the winger that's kind of bringing the puck into the zone he doesn't really seem to have that like burst of speed to stick with them and when he kind of just loses his man like that all hell breaks loose in the d zone and that's kind of what happened there it was such an unfortunate time that it could have happened yeah i i guess you could say for the whole the whole game last night was pretty frustrating especially how we played against northeastern um and going back to the bu on tuesday uh it's just just been kind of weird that the team has rebounded like that after two high quality wins against the ranked opponent uh doesn't concern me too much definitely have some chances uh with liu vermont maine going forward to get points in hockey east to get the confidence back up but just seems seems weird and you'd like to see a little better effort after after those high quality wins yeah definitely um yeah and i kind of found it funny i just thought about this when, when you were just going through that schedule of I wouldn't say cupcake games, but games that you would kind of expect UMass to put on a good performance in. I, I think you left off. Of, this is going to be the only time that I think we'll be able to say this, so I kind of want to get it in now. We're going to be playing BC at the very end of the year, and they've not been looking very good. Like, <laughs> it, it, it feels pretty good knowing that we can say that we're playing BC to end the, the regular season, and we have a damn good chance to win both of those games because they just lost to Maine, I think, last night. It was 4-1, to 4-2. to two. Like, yeah. Four to one. Yeah, we'll get we'll we'll show our uh, our hockey east scoreboard recap after. But yeah, BC not looking too hot right now. So yeah, just schedule definitely looks promising going forward. We just need to pound uh, focus in on Lowell Sunday, definitely. and then uh, definitely don't let off the brakes. Got to get that confidence confidence up before postseason play starts. So uh, how about we go into awards now? Yeah. I think, so, I think there was uh, definitely a lot of foreshadowing already in the awards, yep. but I think, I think we can definitely elaborate on that a little bit more. Yeah, so uh, in our game recap episodes, we're going to do uh, three awards per game. We're going to have the CCC Award, which is Carvel's Character and Compete Award. If you're familiar enough with the program, you know those are some, some buzzwords for him. That'll basically be the player of the game. Uh, the second award we'll give out is the Nice Try UMass Award. Uh, if you're not familiar with that reference, after uh, after a loss to BU at Mullins earlier this season, the official Twitter account of UMass tweeted out just nice try UMass, and it understandably got ratioed very hard on Twitter. Uh, that'll basically be the guy that we'd like to see more of going forward. Um, and then our third award is going to be a custom award, which is going to be something new every game. Uh, try to give it to somebody new, that kind of thing. So. Uh, yeah, I think the uh, the CCC award player of the game. I I don't think there's anybody we can really give it to except for Bobby. He is the the pride of our team, the captain. He is his presence is always felt on the ice. It's just like the man has improved so much over the last over his whole career at UMass. It's just very fun to watch. 
think, I think just to kind of elaborate on that before we move on to the nice try, UMass award, like, we're not even really saying Bobby just purely because of the goal. Like, I think even regardless of the goal, he's such a dynamic player that kind of controlled the game. Like, we have the puck in the ozone. Like, he always is kind of set up along the half boards right there, and he'll have a defenseman kind of pull up to him to try and take the puck away. And he makes such shifty movements to kind of make sure that he doesn't give the puck away. Like, mm-hmm. you know, his forechecking is, was unbelievable. He had a couple of moments where he would just go after the defenseman, and I think he forced a couple turnovers last game. Like, yes, yeah. almost single handedly, like his speed is such an underrated part of his game. Like, I, I maybe, all right, maybe I should not say underrated because I think it's definitely rated. But like, we all know <laughs> his speed is very good, but it's one of those things where nobody else on the team really like has that. I think like Lapina has really good speed. Um, Ryan Lautenbach has been a guy that has definitely mm. been moving up my, my charts as a guy that has showing a lot of speed. Yeah, but, definitely look out for Lautenbach awards in the future. I think we uh, we definitely like his play. But, yeah, you're definitely right about Bobby, and we talk all the time about his shiftiness too. I think mm-hmm. that's a, a big thing that we've seen over the last few years, uh, most prominently in the uh, national semifinal last year to set up that uh, that weight goal. But, yeah, it's, it's Bobby. I don't think you could really make the case for anybody else last night. 100%. Great. So, yeah, uh, now let's go into the nice try UMass award. Um, I think this one – uh, based on our discussion today, also uh, pretty undisputable. It's it's Slava Demin, um, solely based off of that goal, that game-winning goal. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't even – I mean, I guess if we're just doing these awards based purely off last night, I would say solely off of that goal. But, I mean, I'm not trying to rag on the guy. Like, this this is obviously meant to be an uplifting podcast. But I've been, I've been a little frustrated with his play over the course of the season. Um, I think – this is, you know, and this will kind of bring up, I think, another topic of conversation. I don't know if we want to bring it up now or maybe in a little bit, but I think just the transfers in general, like the transfers this season have been a little underwhelming in my opinion. I mean, you can make the case for guys like Baker and Donaldson where they didn't play. I don't think it was, it was either a little bit or I don't even think they played at all last season. I think their entire schedule was just ripped off the face of the earth. So, I mean, they obviously needed to get back up to speed, but I mean, it's 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 kind of tough knowing that in most college athletics programs, the transfers are usually meant to be those older, experienced guys that can kind of bring a sense of calm and you know a a, a veteran kind of demeanor to the program. You know they've been here before; they know the ins and outs of how college hockey works. But I think in our case, it's been a little different because we've been having to rely on you know, crazy good defensive plays and I guess stemming offensive plays from defensemen such as Ofco and Mora. Like they've been really shining spots in our defense and just on our team in general. And I mean, the fact that they're freshmen is obviously great, you know, but it, it, it seems a little weird that we kind of have to rely on those types of guys, you know, to, to kind of make big dynamic plays when in theory, it's usually your older, more experienced players. And yet, we, we had guys in our system that would have had another season already. And we said, nah, you guys are going to have to go elsewhere. Like Oliver Chow's killing it for Quinnipiac right now. They're, they're a top three, five team. Maybe you got guys like Philip Laganoff who scored probably one of the most clutch goals of all time in our championship game last season. If we, if we want a, a, a Russian dude wearing the number 17 in our team and pick Laganoff over Demin any day, I think at this point, but 
I mean, what can you do? Like, I think it was just kind of an interesting point to see, like, again, not trying to rag on the team. This is definitely meant to be a more uplifting podcast, but it was something that I've noticed. And I think kind of seeing what happened last night, it's, it's, it's a good time to bring it up. I think. Yeah, I I definitely agree with your point there. Uh, Demon is lowest on the team with a minus six plus minus Uh, Matt Baker minus two plus minus. Um, Cam Donaldson's at zero. It's just you'd like to see some more impact in that area. Uh, Carvel's done unbelievable with with transfers. You think back to Pritchard, um, guys of his ilk. Uh, it's just seems like maybe an off year for the transfers, but uh, definitely haven't lost faith in Carvel's ability to recruit there. Just not yeah, really on another together as much this year. Another cool transfer that I think you didn't mention, Carson Gisevich. Literally, I think he had the most goals on our team last season. Another transfer, I think he was yep. from St. Lawrence. So two mm-hmm. unbelievable transfers have come from Carvel's former, uh, I guess, program, I should say, team. So I don't know. Maybe Very true. I'm, I'm, wor- you know, I'm hoping that the, the transfer success can continue. That's, that's all I got to say. Yep, definitely agree with you there. So, uh, yeah, I guess that's that's enough for the nice try UMass award. And then our third and final award is our custom award. And today that award is going to be think the Think Inside the Box Award. And we are going to award that to Matt Murray. Uh, I don't want to take anything away from Matt Murray's performance last night. I thought he was unbelievable. But uh, in person, we were definitely uh, a little spooked with how, how easily he was coming out of the crease in uh, what seemed like high high stress moments uh and I mean even on that first goal he very far increased on that end board rebound so uh looking for Murray to stay inside the box just a little bit more going forward yeah I definitely agree with you there I think one one moment from last game that really stuck out to me was there was just a classic dump and chase scenario I mean Providence got the puck in deep right behind the net and Murray you know kind of saunters out of the net you know goes behind the net says I'm gonna stop the puck but I think legit, I forget which defense might've been Ufko. I don't remember off the top of my head. Defenseman's coming from the opposite side, looping around the net, has a Providence College player on his ass, like right there, literally just stuck to the man. And you basically have a conga line of Murray, Ufko, and the, the Providence player just sitting there with the puck in between all of them. And I'm like, all right, Murray, you got to just, we got to make a little bit of space here. Like, and I mean, again, this could be something that they do in practice. That's my, you know, they clearly, it never went to any sort of bad scenario at the end of the day. So, I mean, you can't really fault Murray for that, but it definitely kind of gave us a little bit of an increased heart rate in some of the key moments there. Yeah. And I, Lily's been our, our net minder for years. I fully trust his hockey instinct at point at the college level. It's just, uh, some scares us a little bit sometimes still, especially in person, but, uh, but yeah. All right. Any final thoughts? Um, I mean, I feel like we've touched upon basically almost every key moment in the game at this point, our thoughts on everything. Um, I don't know if we want to move into the other gut punch of the night. Might want to talk <laughs> about, uh, yeah, how our we night have, could we have, somehow get worse. We do. We have a personal story to finish off the pot. I just wanted to run through the the Hockey East out of town scoreboard real quick Sounds before good. we do that. So uh, yeah, obviously UMass lost to Providence two to one. Uh, we already touched on two Maine beating BC four to one. That is definitely eye catching given Maine's season so far. Um, UMass Lowell beat Northeastern two to one at Matthews Arena. 
kind of a slide for for Northeastern lately. And then Vermont beat Alaska in Burlington two to nothing. So that was the only games in Hockey East last night. Cool. Yeah. So uh, I guess we can move towards our our personal story. I think we wanted to do it in the beginning, but uh, we can we can talk about it now too. Just to like a little introduction about ourselves. So, uh, like I said before, my name is Cameron. Um, graduated from UMass in 2020. Uh, went to every hockey game as a student. Uh, our my first year as a freshman was, and Evans too. We're both the same year. Uh, first year as a freshman was the five and 29 in two season. Carvel's first year, and still went to every game. And then it turned into what we saw in 2018, 2019 with the Frozen Four run, and just. Uh, we really fell in love with the program the whole way. Uh, big, big UMass hockey guys. We, uh, we graduated in 2020 and first year we could bought season tickets right in section T at Mullins. And we're just, just huge UMass hockey fans. I don't know if you want to touch on it some more. Yeah. I mean, I can just kind of give my general overview. So yeah, my name's Evan. Um, I probably have a couple of different claims to fame in the UMass hockey fandom. Um, Basically, was always first in line in the student section. You might know me as the resident psycho of the student section. <laughs> I definitely have worn a couple different hats in that regard. Um, made the UMass Instagram story a few times. You know, I think the main one, I think 2G took a picture of me when I got there at like 1.30, which, I mean, five and a half or what was it, four and a half hours before doors open. That's a little insane. But yeah, that that's the guy. That, that's me. Um, I've just... I mean, Cam kind of summed it up. Me and him have extremely similar stories in this regard. We've basically gone all the games together. We sat in the exact same seats in the student section all four years. Um, definitely big proponents of the hockey program. You really can't not say that at this point. I think, you know, we have a podcast now, which nobody else does, which definitely shows we are certainly invested in the hockey program. I'm trying to think of anything else, really, to kind of touch on. We go to every every away game that we can we've seen almost every hockey hockey east arena at this point which will uh as as we revisit them we're going to do our our own arena reviews on this this channel which should be pretty fun but uh yeah we uh i always wear the classic uh white home uh kale umass jersey to the games and evan wears the the teal ferraro sharks jersey to the games if you ever uh see us feel free to say hi talk a little bit about UMass hockey we'd love to love to chat with you guys yeah 100 percent. I mean I love talking hockey with people um hasn't really happened too often yet I think we're still kind of getting our names out there you know we we have our own little specific you know niche that we kind of fill there's definitely you know UMass Twitter we're definitely ingrained in that sort of um group I guess you could say so we you know if anybody wants to talk to us about this type of stuff you know have you on the pod maybe you know that's definitely something we can look forward to yeah we're, de we're definitely active on twitter if uh if you happen to stumble across our podcast and not uh find it through twitter my uh my username is at cameron guzzo yeah and mine should be i'm actually looking it up because i rarely tag myself i'm not usually a crazy twitter guy it's at evan so e-v-i-n weird spelling i know uh underscore sully s-u-l-l-y you want to follow we'll me on that yeah, we'll throw those in the description of the of the podcast too. So, uh, yeah, you you mentioned our uh, our second gut punch of the night last night. Um, so this is more of a, a personal story here. So, uh, both of us are out in the Boston area, and we drive drive out to Western Mass for each UMass game. And uh, like just like we did 
last night and uh we're leaving uh and just for just for reference my car's kind of a shit box it's a 2002 nissan maxima over 200,000 miles it's my uh my first car from when i was 16 and i'm 23 now so definitely been through a lot and uh we leave the arena last night pull up to a a stoplight everything was fine and then uh try to try to leave from the stoplight and the car wouldn't go over four miles per hour so uh we pulled in turned it off tried to start it wouldn't turn on so we uh fully broke down trying to get out to boston before the storm um definitely kind of fit fit the mood of last night for sure yeah it was it was definitely unfortunate especially with the impending snowstorm you're kind of wondering how we would get back and luckily we we have a pretty solid support system out there in western mass that helped us out yeah shout out to uh my dad and my sister who came and picked us up from their house uh down near springfield uh and big shout out to my wonderful girlfriend sophia for driving all the way out from boston to pick us up before the snowstorm hit that was uh was definitely big but uh yeah that was kind of a funny a funny anecdote to how last night went we did end up getting back safe at about 1 30 a.m so uh quite the night last night for the two of us yeah it, it really did suck knowing that our our hockey lead was erased in nine seconds and our chances of getting home were erased in about nine seconds after hitting the <laughs> gas pedal <laughs> it was yeah. very unfortunate yeah very true but we have high hopes we're going to be at the game in Lowell tomorrow. We're making the drive up. Very excited. Hopefully end this little losing streak of ours. I uh, think that's it. for. Uh, thanks, everybody, for listening to the first ever episode of High Character. Uh, we hope uh, hope if you, if you want, if you enjoyed what we're doing here, spread the word, please, on Twitter. Uh, maybe leave a review on, on whatever podcast app you're listening to. We won't do this every episode begging for reviews, but uh, we just – kind of kind of looking to get our feet on the ground here we'd love love if you spread the word about the podcast yeah and also of course leave any feedback if there's things that you think we can do better i mean i can't speak for cam but i'm definitely new to this type of podcast stuff i am usually not great at public speaking so i'm really just trying to do my best to be clear and eloquent so thank you for absolutely that. yeah we're just trying to get better every day definitely some feedback would be welcome but uh yeah thank you guys for listening and uh we'll be back tomorrow night with the recap for Lowell. thanks guys